Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Bellisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. Welcome to the Penn State Conversations podcast. I'm your host today, Jessica Quinlan, chatting with Steve Manuel, public relations and crisis communications professor in the Penn State Belisario College of Communications. I've known Steve since I was a student at Penn State and thought he'd be the perfect guest to discuss today's topic of working in communications while traveling abroad. So welcome, Steve. Thanks, Jess. Um, I know so many students and young alumni out there listening to this podcast love to travel and would love the opportunity to work abroad. So I'm hoping today's discussion can be an honest one about some of the positives and negatives we've had in our experiences. Um, A little background on me on the working abroad side. I studied abroad as a student and went back after college to work first semester at sea Um, As their communications lead for a full semester, so fall 2014, we traveled to about 12 countries just reporting on what the students were experiencing and how they were learning and interacting with the local community. Um, But Steve, can you tell us a little bit about your experience working internationally? Sure, thanks. Uh, I've done actually a great deal of photography outside the United States. Most of it has been for the military that are in areas that are not readily accessible by the local population. And these included uh, military exercises, uh, real world operations, but separate from the military, I've, I've been a photographer for the USO since 1998, and I've, and I've traveled and photographed in war-torn areas, including Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Afghanistan. I've been on at least 60 tours for the USO over the years, photographing the troops and the celebrities who volunteer their time to entertain, and they do so in combat environments. We have also been to non-combat environments in in uh, Italy and Britain and Ireland and places like that. So I, I have dealt with the local populations in, in these areas. Uh, but it's, it is truly a gratifying and emotional experience to watch the faces of the troops who are serving their nation in very often austere environments, not knowing if they'll return home to their loved ones. And capturing those emotions are what make those particular trips worth the risk and what makes photography one of the greatest occupations ever. We've also toured in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, Kuwait, South Korea, Japan, Britain, Hungary, and I think I already mentioned Ireland. Um, As for working with a in this case, a civilian news organization. I did string for an Okinawan magazine while based in Japan, so I spent time in a civilian community shooting. Um, I spent time in Taiwan, Singapore, and Hong Kong also doing a good deal of photography. Now, you know, this is several years ago too, many years ago actually, in some of these. But, and I never had any, uh, never even thought about any, you know, risk involved in in shooting out there and and getting involved with the civilian population. uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, most people react well to cameras. I, I mean, unless you're in a, a crisis situation um, where there are demonstrations um, and, and things like that. That's incredible. That's, a, that's an incredible list. Do you even have a count anymore of how many countries that you've <laughs> been to? No, I've lost count of the numbers of those and I've lost count of how many tours I've done um, all over the world. And I mean, I've got at least 60 
tours wow. uh, into Afghanistan and Iraq and Kuwait. Oh my goodness. And, and just, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll take a page out of Jessica's book here. We'll, we'll start this off with a positive. It may sound general, but what do you like, um, you know, because obviously you're working as a photographer in the United States as well, but these experiences are so different from that. So give me some of the positives. What do you like about um, working while you're traveling abroad? Well, I think what I found most enjoyable about these experiences was that I found myself in a privileged position of being able to see and do things that most people will never do. And I was there when it was happening, which is one of the beauties of public relations, I guess, as well as photography. But I saw firsthand how our troops live and survive day after day, where there's no weekend, no normal working hours, and certainly not a normal way of life. And I think every American should, should get to see something like that. Um, it, it, I don't know, there's just a lot of satisfaction. The fact is, you know, when, when we were shooting a film, <laughs> there was no instant photographs, but, but today it's digital. So you, you have that instant gratification that everybody wants anyway in just about everything we do. But in, in photography, because it's digital, you see it right away and, and, and it feels good. It's even, even, you feel good even before it gets published. Once it gets published, that's sort of like icing on the cake. That, that's so true. And I think, yeah, it, it's funny that you phrased it that way. I think there's just something so humbling about it. Um, and I think so many Americans don't travel abroad or don't travel abroad often to very different places. And you, when you're out there, you really do recognize how much of a bubble we are in here in, in the United States in a bit of a safety net um, because it is a very comfortable place generally to live. Um, so getting that exposure to other places is huge. And I think for me, I would layer into the commonality of it when you look at people in countries so different from ours. And while they may be living differently, eating differently, they're, they're also so incredibly similar to us. Um, and that always blows my mind the most that, you know, going up, growing up in a totally different circumstance that, you know, there's still people just like us and they're interested in a lot of the same things um, and they have a lot of the same dreams and thoughts. So um, that's always been a, a big one for me and probably the two things I love most about getting time abroad. Well, another country, I just thought of another country. Um, we actually stopped in Egypt for a day and went to the Great Pyramids. We were, we were there with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and he was doing his government business and uh, myself and the celebrities who were along uh, were uh, the gentleman who played uh, the Terminator on the Schwarzenegger movie. Not Schwarzenegger, but the guy who actually played the Terminator. It was him and Dennis Haysbert, the Good Hands insurance guy, and uh, um, Mr. Robinson from basketball um, and and all that sort of thing. And and we and Tommy Lasorda from the L.A. Dodgers. And we stopped at the Great Pyramids. And you know, I've seen. You can watch National Geographic. You can read National Geographic. You can see pictures of these pyramids. But until you are standing in front of it you really don't get a sense of what it's like. And even the, all the photographs that I took just do not, they just are incapable of capturing what these pyramids are like. Uh, but the fact that I got to be there and see it and get into it um, and, and see the people around it and photograph them, and they really liked having your picture taken, I might add. In fact, they tried to extort five bucks out of me every time I took the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very similar experience at the pyramid, so I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that goes along with it. And I always describe Americans as, and I do it affectionately, because that's just the way it is, as fat, dumb, and happy where they're at. <laughs> and and uh, because they never, many have never been anywhere uh, and don't see how other people live. And I've been able to do that many, 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 many times, sometimes for the good, sometimes not. But I got to capture it. And um, that's the beauty of photography. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, um, you know, when I was, I was working with on a team of three people when I was traveling, and I was doing most of the writing and social media. And then we had a still photographer and a videographer. And I think our goal as we entered each country was just, you know, we had, we were traveling with like 700 college students that were going to go have 700 totally different experiences. So we could never capture all of that. But how do we tell how do we show as much as possible? Because so many of these things, as as you say, you could you could be standing there with all the equipment in the world. You can't totally transport somebody there, but you know, as a communications professional, you want to get as close as possible and and get the best content possible to show people back at home. Hopefully, to encourage them to you know burst outside their bubble and come see some of these places and come meet some of these people. Um, but it's a challenge for sure. Well, and it is, and I think part of it is it's. It's a challenge to them because they, they have to go, go outside their comfort zone. And that's not easy for people. A hundred percent. I've had, and I'm sure, I'm sure with your list of countries as well, I've had so many people turn and look at me and say, are you nuts? Are you, are you really going there? I know even, you know, and it's hard because every generation is different and has lived a different history. But I know we even just got back from our honeymoon this summer and we went to Vietnam and Thailand. And so many people of my parents' generation were just like, why? Why would you go there on a vacation? And it was, hands down, one of the most incredible places I've ever seen. Um, people, landscape, you know, but it's a very different place than it was, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. In fact, Hanoi would be the one place I would want to go to their museum, which they're which houses all these photographs taken from their side of the war, mm -hmm. which are, I, I've only seen pictures of them and, and they're incredible. I mean, it, it, it shows the exact opposite of what ours would show. And, and to be honest, you know, speaking there specifically, their country has had so many different wars that ours isn't even on the top of their list. <laughs> um, they're like, we've moved on from you guys. Like, this is great. Um, but no, I, I do think, yeah, there's a, definitely a fear factor in getting people to travel to some of these um, places that are either further away or less, you know, less formatted to get around. You know, it's not, you know, as easy as a trip to Canada or London. We're talking about traveling to places that really evoke um, a strong cultural and learning experience. Yeah, and I think one of the the biggest challenge for me in doing in shooting abroad um, has been the the language barrier, uh, but not from a, not from a negative point of view. People are people. When they see a camera, at least in my experience overseas, they smile and 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 they pose. It's hard not to get them to pose. I mean, I like I, I like candid shots, um, but the issue was getting the idea across to them as to what kind of photograph I was looking for. Um, I never did get the word candid across to them, and I never wanted posed photos. So it, the language barrier was the problem. I have no aptitude for language, foreign language, as Penn State determined a long time ago. <laughs> so I missed out on those 12 credits of foreign language. Oh, my God. 
Yes, I, I've had uh, I've had similar experiences. I once spent so many weeks consecutively in Spanish-speaking countries that I thought that I had learned Spanish by the end. Not that I could speak it, but so many people had been speaking it around me that I just started to to <laughs> nod. And I'm like, I got enough of what you're saying. Um, but yes, huge regret of mine. I I did. Um, I am semi fluent in Italian, but obviously that's not very helpful anywhere outside of Italy. So. <laughs> Well, uh, I, having spent, I, you know, I spent many, many years in Japan and uh, and because I spent so much time there, I did pick up some Japanese. But, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And uh, I don't I only know a little bit of it left. So, yeah, no, c communication barriers are definitely a challenge. And, you know, we used to develop because on semester at sea, we were going to 10, 12 countries. So we would give the students, um, you know, the professors would put together kind of a cheat sheet of key phrases, key words. They'd give them like a, a rundown class right before we get there, um, which is helpful because I think a lot of, and not in every country, but a lot of countries, people like to see you trying to learn and speak their language. Um, and we as Americans are very fortunate that so many people have learned to speak our language that it is, you know, another one of those things that I think is humbling when you get abroad um, and sometimes a cheat because you go to these countries and you will find people knowing English um, because it is so widely accepted. But if they don't, yeah, for sure, communication is a big challenge, I think. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but when I was working, I was responsible for social media and kind of this real-time blog and content to be produced. So one of my biggest challenges was always access to internet and actual communications and and not always in really foreign countries I remember um, even in Ireland you know we were on a ship that had computers and all this great technology and we happened to be sitting in a port that was apparently to the back of their major satellite so we were just dead in the water we had no no communication ability whatsoever for a week um, and that was pretty common we probably like half the places that we had docked just could not um, could not hold like we could not pick up internet signals. We were oftentimes trying to find coffee shops in different places, but not in every country was that an option for us. And same thing with cell service. Um, so it's kind of hard to be reporting and sharing things with people real time back at home if you can't even if you can't even access internet that we really take for granted here. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to come to that in a little while, but uh, before I forget. Uh, Language, even the language, language is just one of the communication barriers. Another one that I don't think people really consider before they leave the United States to go to these areas is uh, host nation customs and traditions, mm -hmm. and and certain body language. You know, in in, in Thailand, if you, depending on how you cross your legs when you're talking to somebody, uh, whether your your soles are facing them, if you have, if your legs are propped up. I mean, these are. Or, or your, when your legs are crossed, if, you're, if the sole of your foot is, is facing them, that's an insult. And these are just small things, but they're not small things in the host nation. And it, it, it really would benefit people to look up their, the host nation um, customs and traditions before they go, because it's communicating something as well. Yeah, that, that's a great one. And yeah, it, it's something a lot of folks don't consider when they're leaving. I think another good one I've learned recently is even learning what is of comfort to discuss in the country that you're going to, because sometimes you'll go to places where, you know, 
religion may be a main point of conversation and it may be something that's off the table similarly with politics um you know i've had people you know when i've worked with different fixers in different countries come in and say you know they're going to ask you a lot of questions that you find to be very personal but that is how they're comfortable communicating here so if you don't want to answer them you can but th that is just the nature of the custom here um so even knowing what you can you know what you can try and communicate with people about is also really important too because you don't want to offend them by tapping into topics that don't make them comfortable um, and you also kind of have to be prepared for yourself to be able to talk on some of the things that are custom for them to discuss in everyday life. Yeah. Now you were talking about cell phone coverage or, or, or internet uh, availability, and that's always an issue. We, we take it for granted here, uh, but I never took it for granted overseas. And if I was traveling with the USO or the U.S. military, uh, I always had a satellite phone with me. Uh, I didn't buy it. They're a little, they're a little pricey, but... Uh, they provided me with one because one, they didn't want me using uh, U.S. government computers and and uh, all that sort of thing. Um, so they they gave me a, a satellite phone to take along. And just to give you an example, just even a satellite phone, what can happen? Um, we were on uh, we were in northern Iraq and we boarded a a Black Hawk helicopter. It was uh, me and uh, the celebrity, I believe, if I recall, was Kelly Pickler, country western singer. And uh, we boarded up in northern Iraq from forward operating, uh, from a FOB, forward operating base, and we flew further south to another one. When we landed, we were, <clears throat> we were told uh, a Black Hawk helicopter had been shot down right after we left and the pilots uh, killed. And <clears throat> next of kin is notified, obviously, immediately or as quickly as they can. And in that environment, they don't want any communications getting out from anyone, military, civilian, anyone. So they just shut down the satellite. Oh my God. So even my satellite phone <laughs> wouldn't work. And I had to get a third, I had to shoot a 60 second, get, get this. Now I'm telling you, I don't like video, but one of my tasks was to shoot a 60 second video spot for Memorial Day to send back to the States, to air back in the States on Memorial Day from Kelly Pickler. So we, we did the shoot. And, uh, but I couldn't upload it because they shut down the satellite. So we had no coverage, no capability at all. Oh my God. Video, especially just because of how heavy the files can be are also, even when you do have internet access, not always a guarantee that you can get them out. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's an, what an incredible story. So yeah, a lot of times what you're doing is, you know, there's so many things I always say because a lot of times we we'll work on teams where it'll really frustrate people. You know, you can only control what you can control. So keep gathering it. It may not come out in the timeline that you originally intended, but I think that's actually um, one of the things I find most about working abroad. You have to be super flexible because there's so much happening around you that you can't control. It's not like showing up to your desk at work here where you feel like you're in control of pretty much everything, you know, it's a very, very different task. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we were in, uh, at one time, <clears throat> I think back for a second, we were in Bosnia and this is one of those moments when, you know, even though it wasn't a local, it was a U.S. military person. Uh, we were in Bosnia. Uh, I was there with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. They were doing a Broadway, they did a, a, a two hour Broadway review every night. And, uh, and I'm walking around the base during the daytime, talking to soldiers and, 
And I, you know, I'd ask all of them, every one of them I came in contact with, are you going to the show tonight? And one of them said no. And I was kind of taken back and, and I said, why? He said, because you get to go home. It's worse for me. I don't get to go home. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you know, it, it, it dawned on me then, I, I understand that. So you run into not only the troops, but other, you know, other people as well who, who want to come in and see the show, uh, but can't, or the civilians who work on the bases in those areas who actually can come in and see the shows, and they're just mesmerized by, by what they're seeing. And they've got their cameras out or their phones and taking pictures. So, you know, a camera just opens so many doors. Agreed. And it's a, uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of equally the conver the ultimate conversation starter and, and it could be the easy beginning to an interaction and it can also um, scare people a little bit. I think cameras also have the, the ability to be scary for folks not always knowing your intention on what you want to do with them. How, how do you, how do you actually bridge that gap and convey your intention on, on what you're trying to do? Um, with your photography, even to people that are speaking your language? Uh, I, I have a habit of telling people, if I'm in an area and I'm there to shoot something in particular, um, I will make it known to the people around me. It doesn't take, you don't have to tell a few people and that the word gets around quickly, why mm -hmm. I'm there, what I'm shooting and, and what I'm doing. You know, if you recall back on campus, the, I call them the, the junior chain gang, the, the child care center, the kids. <laughs> As they, as they walk across <laughs> campus or down College Avenue and, and the photo kids always want to go in and take pictures of them. And, and you know, sometimes the people who are the, the caregivers who are walking them will try and stop the kids from shooting and people from shooting. But, you know, you can't do that uh, when they're out on campus or out on the street because there's no expectation of privacy. I mean, we have a very unique country in terms of privacy laws that other countries do not have. So that's one of the things people should be, should consider when they go overseas, what, what are their laws like? What can I do? But I notify people, I tell people if I'm in there to shoot something and it's, it's an unusual thing. It might be, it might be a fair, it might be something, uh, it might be arts fest the first day and all the kids are out there. And, you know, parents get a little antsy about people out there shooting pictures of the kids. And I understand that. Um, and if you walk by the, by the child care center on campus, it's a bad idea to take pictures of the kids <laughs> through that gate. <laughs> they get nervous in there too, and they'll call the police. Uh, it may be very, and it's usually, I mean, I'm sure it's innocent, but they don't know that. I, I think you just need to tell someone, and word of mouth, it gets around. They tell the person beside them. It's kind of like, you know, in first grade, when you tell a secret of the first person and the kid at the, at, the, at the front of the classroom, by the time it gets back, to, you know, it's completely changed. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's a good one, too, because when you are traveling and, and capturing content in different places, you know, doing that good research to understand, you know, what is customary here? Are, you know, photos, video, something that happens every day and, and wouldn't be off-putting? Or, you know, does this country have different customs? Or does the country even have, as you mentioned, restrictions? You know, we spent some time in Cuba while I was um, with Semester at Sea, and this was right before the border had opened to Americans. So we were there on student education visas. Um, and we learned through a student, um, without knowing, took a picture of a government building and was immediately taken into custody by police because 
she didn't know. You know, she actually was a photo of, of her in front of a, a government building with a, a sign in her hands that the person, the police officer couldn't translate. He did not speak English. So he got very upset about it, kind of like, why are you taking this photo in front of our building? She wasn't aware. She didn't realize that that was not an okay thing to do. And yeah. she ended herself having to kind of talk her way out of this uncomfortable situation. So the research and just understanding the climate of the environment you're in and being super sensitive to that is obviously really important. Yeah, well, you you know me. You know I'm not the most personable individual on the planet. So, so I am I am quick to announce to people loudly what I'm shooting when I'm at that site. So word gets around quickly, and and, and then they stop watching you. Well, that's true. Like once they're like, I know what you, what your intention is. I'm not concerned about you. Yeah, that is a, that is a benefit for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know. Um, I, if I was going to provide anybody advice in shooting, you know, photography is a universal language. It's understood by everyone. Uh, for the most part, it's problem free. And, and it's not until you get involved in maybe a crisis or a civil demonstration, such as in Paris, that it becomes a crisis for you, the photographer, even if you're not a professional, if you're just there shooting. Um, so it's, in, it's important to know as much about the country and what's going on in that country during the period you're going to be there. Uh, you know, know where the U.S. Embassy or consulate is. Have those phone numbers available. Know who to contact if you experience problems with local authorities. And again, probably even more important, know the local laws regarding what you're doing in, in terms of privacy laws and shooting government buildings or being on a border of, a, of an iffy country uh, and shooting pictures. They get nervous about that. I mean, I'm going to be hosting, a, believe it or not, speaking of being personable, I was asked to... Uh, by the Penn State Alumni Association to host a trip to France for the 75th anniversary of D-Day this May. And I'll probably be doing, I'm sure, I said, are you sure you want me? And, and, <laughs> I was uh, just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I, I said, yes. Yeah. She said, well, we want someone personable. I said, are you sure you want me? And they said, no, but we want your wife to come along. <laughs> oh, that's true. She is lovely. <laughs> I, so I think what they want is photography and, and just for me to be quiet. <laughs> um, so in the meantime, I'm brushing up on photo laws in France, and, and there's probably no need, but there have been massive demonstrations in Paris, and we're going to spend the first three days there. So, you know, you, you just, you need to know some of these things. They may not seem important at the time before you leave, because, but every, we're, this country is very unique <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Not everybody's like us. Yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, we, we yeah, obviously have our challenges here, but we don't fully appreciate how um, how comfortable life is here. So yes, I think that's important. I'll also throw out, you made me think of it too, just a plug, you know, in addition to knowing where the consulate is and, and bringing all those numbers and information with you, I'll, I'll give a subtle plug for the STEP program if um, nobody's ever done it before. The U.S. Department of State has an, a program where you just go in and enroll and show the State Department where you are traveling. So if something happens, um, you know, it gives them the ability to know you're actually traveling in the country exactly where, and um, you provide them information on how to contact you, whether you have a phone that you're bringing, email, anything along those lines. So if something does happen unforeseen in the country and you need help getting out, they at least already know that you're there. Um, so I would throw that out too, because it's just kind of good to keep them in the know on where you are. Um, and we, you know, 
it, it, it's just kind of a nice peace of mind to kind of check another box in that way as well. Well, that's good info. I'll have to remember that. Yeah. Um, all right. So out of all of your experiences, do you have a most rewarding experience you can share from your time working abroad? Most rewarding. Um, I, I don't know if rewarding is the right word. They've certainly, they've certainly been unique in terms of what most photographers in the U.S. do so on a, on a, on a daily basis. And those who have done what I've done and, and more and understand that, I, I don't know if I could pick out something that re <laughs> I don't like I, to, I don't like to ask the question, like, what was your favorite? Because it tends to get a, a really <laughs> horrible reaction. So I went with rewarding, uh, but, but you can feel free to um, swap it. I, I, I'll, I'll go first. I personally, when we had been to Cuba in December 2014, and this was literally weeks before the borders had reopened, um, we were hosted by University of Havana students. And, you know, it was kind of this, you know, four or five days that were filled with a ton of education, a ton of different classes led by professors. There were everything from art walks to seeing local graffiti artists to just really a really cool and unique experience for the students. Um, and they get to, got to spend a lot of time with peers and people your age, which is something a little bit unique. And when we were, when we were leaving, all of the students that had been hosting them came out to the port as the ship was pulling away. And in both English and Spanish played Imagine by John Lennon. And just like everybody was just reduced to like a pool of tears because at that moment, the, you know, so many of these students were talking to them about like, we want to be able to kind of travel freely. We want to be able to consider living in the United States. And to them at that time, that dream was so far off. Um, so it was interesting to kind of see how history had changed even just a couple weeks later. Um, but it definitely was a you know, maybe rewarding wasn't the best word, a very moving experience to really show, you know, this was a country that was so different from ours, so close to ours. Um, and yet the people were yet, you know, shared so much with us. Um, that yeah, is really incredible. Yeah. Well, I think my equivalent to that would be many of the USO shows that were um, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and I say that because these are very, these aren't like bases in the United States. These are I mean, some of them are, are quite large, but they're they're forward operating bases in in the middle of the desert. They're very austere. And, and I'll give you an example. I mean, I remember uh, being out uh, being in Iraq with Dane Cook, comedian, and uh, he did three shows a day in 120 to 130 degree temperatures. And it didn't matter whether there were 50 troops there attending, or in one case at the Iraqi National Soccer Stadium. Uh, 5,000 troops showed up, both U.S. and um, host nation. And that was an incredible show. And Dane Cook, um, like many of the celebrities, but in this case, Dane Cook just seemed to stand out. He's, he stayed, it was an 8 p.m. show, 5,000 troops. And he stayed until the, after the end of the show, he stayed until he shook hands with, posed for a picture, and signed an autograph for every troop who stayed. We didn't get out of there until oh dark thirty in the morning, till oh he was God. finally done doing that. But but to to watch the faces on on the troops, because they're there for a year or whatever the amount of time is their tour is, and and they don't go home, 
but they see a little bit of home come to them. I, you know, hence the USO, you know, a little bit of home and all that. But and I'm not plugging USO necessarily, but the, just the, the emotions that you capture uh, and the emotions you capture back in uh, when you come back and shoot a show, um, say at Dover Air Force Base or McGuire Air Force Base, when they're coming back in and their families are meeting them with their with their young children. That's that's capturing emotion. That's the reward that you get for doing this. That's incredible. Yeah, and I think um, there's something to be said for, and I know you've traveled with a lot of different celebrities, music, comedy, and a lot of them sometimes give off this very um, tough exterior, and I think sometimes celebrities get a, a bad rap, so to see kind of on the flip side some of these people doing such incredible work to want to share their talents with people who are risking their lives for us every day, I think is just an incredible story to tell. No, it, it really is. And, and again, the troops do appreciate it. And, uh, and I, and I appreciate the celebrities who take those risks and go in to the, uh, danger areas to do this. Now, are they safe? Well, yeah, they're as safe as they're going to be. And the, and the U S military really does, um, maintain a security net around them, but you know anything can happen. We've been shot at. Uh, we've had rockets come in, and in one case, take out the building right next to our quarters oh in the God. morning while, while we're waiting for a, a transportation to go to the first venue. And um, you know, let's. But they're the risk you take. Hell, I could get hit by a cat of bus here. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, leave it to you. Um, so, you know, the last question I was going to ask were how have these experiences shaped your, your teaching work or even life back in the U.S.? You know, you're obviously, your reflexes for those catabuses must be really strong by now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, can, I can take them now because I'm a senior citizen. It doesn't oh, cost me anything. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but are there anything else that you think you bring back to the classroom um, at Penn State from, your, from these different experiences? Um, I, um, for my students, no matter what classroom I'm in, I, I continue to be a not so subtle reminder of the opportunities that, that await them and, and the need for them to be prepared for virtually any challenge out there, kind of like MacGyver. <laughs> uh, and, and not only in photography, I, I'm also a reminder of them of where they live. And I think you know well enough as a patriot that comes naturally, naturally to me. And as a society, both adults and students, I think we've become complacent in our lives in the United States. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I think that's why it's so important that people um, keep reaching outside their comfort zone to, to extend into these different communities and cultures because there's so much to be learned um, from being, you know, even just a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, you don't you don't tend to learn a lot from the trips or from the experiences where everything's very easy and very comfortable. You know, we're talking about these experiences, but you know, they may not they may not translate to a weekend in the Bahamas with a camera. You know, you really have to extend to places that are very different and and life is very different than it is here and you really will get so much of the benefit from that experience if you're open to it and you're patient with it and you, you know, do your research and, and put that time in for sure. Yeah, I have great respect for 
uh, college students, uh, I don't know about high school students, I don't know if they do it or not, but college students who, who spend their summer breaks or their spring break out, you know, building houses in, in Mexico or Central America or wherever they happen to go um, for the less fortunate. Uh, they're, getting, uh, they're getting an experience, I don't know if they realize or not, that's worth, worth gold. 100%. Yeah. And it, it's an incredible gesture as well. All right. Is there any last advice you want to offer to the young minds out there? Never use the word I can't. Words. <laughs> there is no such thing as can't. There's won't and there's don't. And I think you've heard, you probably have heard me say, I can't dunk a 10 foot basket rim, but I can lower the rim. I can adjust and overcome. And, and if you don't go into anything you do, whether it's photography or writing or or being a mascot at Disney World, if you don't go in with that attitude, you're probably going to fail. I think that is a great metaphor and piece of advice for us to end on today. So never say you can't go out there and find something truly incredible um, to open your minds and figure out how to tell that story with all of us back here in the United States. So thank you so much, Steve, for your time today. This was fantastic um and we really appreciate you looking to inspire the young minds of tomorrow <laughs> okay like thanks Je thanks jess <laughs> <laughs> have a good one thanks so much for everybody for joining and we'll talk to you soon this episode of penn state conversations was presented by the young alumni council of the donald p belisario college of communications alumni society board the Alumni Society Board aims to help elevate the stature of the Belisario College through dialogue with faculty, students, the dean, and associate deans. The Young Alumni Council also aims to foster a strong connection between young alumni and the college to inspire lifelong support and involvement. For more information or to learn how you can get involved, please visit belisario.psu.edu slash alumni.